stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, I don't know, if you were looking at my Facebook, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I went out to the sale air show and I met the roulettes. Now, by God, did I love meeting them. And and I was actually quite surprised how relatable they were. I know I shouldn't be surprised, but I think sometimes when people are doing elite kind of jobs, we think that they're unapproachable. But I had a ma- I had a marvelous conversation with them, and they're really lovely guys. And I did say on my Facebook page and my Instagram, uh, "Watch this space," as I posted a photo. And today I get to chat with Ben Price, who is roulette number seven. This is a fantastic conversation, and you're going to love Ben's story. You're going to love hearing a bit about the roulettes and. Uh, you know, I'm going to be out there from now on waving to them because I reckon they might just look down and see me. But yeah, anyway, let me stop talking about my fantasies and let's get straight into it. So welcome, Ben. Thank you very much, Karen. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Ben, I am so in love with the roulettes. I absolutely love you guys. And I, I know that sounds a bit creepy, a bit stalkery, but, you know, it's I can't help myself. Yeah, look, uh, to be honest, you're not the only one. Like we travel around Australia now, we get around the country because COVID's opened everything up and the people that come out and meet us and say g'day, it's just incredible how, how uh, taken back, I guess, people are by the roulette display team. So it, it's really cool to see and it's something awesome to be a part of. Oh, it's ma- it's magic. I think it's that, that kind of... Um... It's almost like you're un- unreachable, you know, because you're just doing such magnificent stuff. I know you're just ordinary people, but, you know, you get a little bit starstruck. It's, it's kind of like, how do they do that? You know, how do they, I don't know, I get a, I'm a bit, I admire you because I could never freaking do that at all. Of course, I can't fly, but, you know, I'd be, I'd be shitting my <laughs> yeah. pants. <you> know? <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, it's certainly not unreachable. That's the first thing, you know, that I'll say. It's not. Um, and exactly right. We are just ordinary people. Um, but, you know, we've done a, each of us have done a fair bit of hard work to get to where we've got to. But everyone's come from different backgrounds, different origins, different places around Australia. And everyone's done a little bit of hard work and it's paid off. And yeah, now we get to fly this awesome aeroplane and the guys do a six ship formation display, you know, every kind of every two weeks around the country. And we get to go out flying during the week. It's just brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fabulous. Unreal. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I've, you know, everybody talks about, oh, the roulettes were there. The roulettes were there, you know. So oh, I think it's wonderful. And I think we need that, you know, like we've got a lot of, um, I, I won't say all influences are bad, but we've got a lot of like the whole star started crap that we get on TV and, you know, and all the stuff on social media. I think it's really healthy, you know, for people to admire something that's really patriotic and really, 
you know, I don't know, doing a good thing for our country. So I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And that, you know, that means a lot. And when we do have people that respect that and respect the work that goes into it, it's great to see as well. And, you know, we get to get out and meet the people and yeah, it's not a, um, it's not star started like you know the people off tv or anything like that but um yeah you do feel like a little bit of a celebrity walking around the um air shows and stuff like that but that's a very distinct group of people that love airplanes and they, they love to see the roulettes because it is a pretty special display so yeah yeah well that was where i met you i'm in love with airplanes i just can't get enough of them i fly i run outside every time an airplane goes over just to have a look at it and have a <laughs> have a guess at what it might be but uh, i'm not that i'm not that good at guessing um <laughs> but um, and i met you at the you know at the same air show and and I, I think that's one thing that I found with the whole group of you is how relatable you were you know I think that you can you can be something spectacular and you can be quite stuck up you know and quite sort of full of yourself because you're doing something that well hardly anyone else can do and you guys are not like that and I, I was pleasantly surprised that every single one of you was had a great sense of humor and was very very relatable you know and it, i think that makes a hell of a difference yeah that's right and you know at the end of the day this is a job for us so um we want to you know do the best that we can and we go to work and we work as hard as we can but at the end of the day once the job's finished we are at, at the moment you know seven normal guys who go out for dinner and like to have a beer and catch up and have a bit of a laugh and, you know, we've got to remember exactly where we came from, you know. Yeah. Um, we're all just normal people that, you know, came from normal backgrounds. Um, we weren't, um, you know, forced into this situation or it wasn't an opportunity that was just um, there for the taking. Everyone had to do that hard work to get there. So everyone's got that, I, I guess, that um, that level of where they, they, they think of where they actually came from um, and remember that because, uh, you know, when we're talking to people of the public, we're, we're really no different. We've just... Um, been lucky to end up in the position that we're at these days yeah i love it that, well thank you for being like that i think it's great um you're talking about everyone coming from a different background and so tell us about your childhood like were you were you mad keen on planes when you were a kid yeah so for me it was um i think it must have been about 1999 or 7 and i i, I reckon my parents took me to the avalon air show so my dad, he loved the fighter jets, um, you know, the F-111s and yeah. um, all the loud noises that would go on. So he started taking us there as little kids, you know, 10, 11 years old. And at that moment, I thought, wow, how cool is that? You know, what an awesome job that would be. And it was kind of something that I'd always had in the back of my head. Yeah, I want to be a pilot. I want to be a pilot. And I remember my first ever flight on an ANSET flight. And, you know, I got to go up into the cockpit because you're allowed to do that in those days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just that was it. That was for me. That was, Hey, I want to do this one day later on in my life. And, um, funnily enough though, when I went through high school, it just fell off the radar. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't really apply myself in year 12. I didn't do the right subjects and I didn't chase my dream. Um, I was too busy, you know, and nothing wrong with this, but I was having a great time at school. Um, I was, I loved going out on the weekends and I was playing footy every weekend and socializing so for me i wasn't thinking about a career or anything into the future yeah. so i was actually i'm a little bit different to a lot of the guys where they've gone straight from high school um or some of the guys have done it a couple of years directly after high school before getting into the air force i was 10 years later so mm. yeah a little bit different and i had a completely different career before i uh, finally made a decision to chase up a dream and see how i went yeah so you were you became an elect, uh, electrician you, you did your electrical apprenticeship yep. and do you, right. do you 
Yeah, so I've done my research. Um, and <laughs> do, do you, was there a point, do you think it was just maturity? Do you know, you did, did you, do you think that that dream was always in you and, and that boys go through that extremely immature stage, you know, where it's all about the boys yep. and footy and drinking and that sort of stuff? And do you think, do you think you sort of hit a point, you know, in your late 20s when you said, this isn't this isn't me. I, I really need to chase that dream that I originally had when I was a kid. Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I think when I came out of high school, I was probably a little bit lost. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't know. I, I, I had the dream of being a pilot, but I just thought, like everyone else, I thought that's unachievable. That would never, ever happen. Plus, I'd never done the right subjects. So I think following high school, I started doing a bit of plastering. Um, and I did that for about six weeks. And I thought, oh, this is an all right job. I reckon I could do this. You know, this is enjoyable. And I remember my mum at the time and she was like, no, 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 no. You've got to at least go to university. You've got to do something for, you know, you just finished your VCE. So, um, so yeah, after university, I decided, hey, what a cool thing to do. I might go travel the world. And, you know, I think I was thinking about going to Canada to work in the snowfields or something like that. Um, at which point that never really eventuated. So I was kind of, um, I think I was just doing some part-time work and I got offered the apprenticeship of a window maker. Um, so working in a factory um, every day and building windows basically. And I thought, yeah, that'll be all right. Maybe I'll give that a go. So um, I'd accepted the job with those guys. And the next thing, someone from the footy club I was playing at said, hey, if you want an electrical apprenticeship, I, I reckon we can organise you one. So I thought, ah. Electrical sounds pretty good. We get to work outside. You know, it's a little bit different work each day. I'm not yeah. in a factory. Thought, yep, let's give that a go. So off I went um, and into the electrical field and, uh, yeah, did a four-year apprenticeship. And then I found myself uh, kind of running my own business. Um, 2012, I think, was my first year out of my apprenticeship. And, yeah, just working for myself and some builders that I knew. And life was good. You know, I was happy. I was earning some good money and working all over the state, uh, not all over the state, but all over, you know, the Mornington Peninsula where I was from. And it was something different every day. So I was actually quite enjoying it. But but what changed? But, but what changed <laughs> was I'd been doing the electrical over there for five years and um, I was working on a job one day. And at the time I was 25 years old and uh, I was up in a roof and, you know, in a roof and I'm probably there's probably possum poo up there and, you know, rat traps and covered in insulation and it's hot and sweaty. And I remember being up there and I was with a guy who was, um, you know, the same age, sorry, not the same age. He was 50 years old. So he was double my age. And I remember thinking to myself, do I want to be doing this in 25 years time? Mm. Because, you know, he's 25 now. Uh, sorry, he's 25 years older than me now. And he's on the same wage, you know, mm. same hours, um, and doing the exact same work. It's kind of like that C-bus ad, you know, but not yeah. we were the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So not that there was anything wrong with the job or anything like that, but I just thought, what else can I do? What can, what would be better, better career? Anyway, I went home that night and I think I was having a chat to my dad. And of course, you know, as I said before, he was riding to the fighter jets and stuff like that. And he said, well, you've always wanted to be a pilot. Give it a go. And I thought, oh, I've got no hope. Like, I'm now eight years post high school. I never did the right subjects. Like, this is silly. It's a waste of time. And he said, what have you got to lose? Honestly, what have you got to lose? So I did. Um, I went on the Defence Force recruiting website and put in all my details. And, you know, I, I kind of forgot about it. And I think I went away to America for a couple of weeks or whatever. And I came back um, after the holiday and... I got a phone call from Defence Force Recruiting and they said, hey, we'd like you to come in and do an interview. And I thought, oh, 
all right, no worries. We'll see how we go. But I don't think I'm going to get very far. And sure enough, I went in and um, the first day was basically just basic aptitude testing where, you know, what they do is they put every every single candidate who comes into Defence Force recruiting and they, they do some basic testing throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, you get given a list of jobs. Hey, we think you'd be suitable in these roles. And luckily for me that day, I actually got the tick for pilot. I thought, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> this is all right. Yeah. Um, so the next step after that was to go back and do pilot specific aptitude testing. And um, so I think I did a little bit of study. I was trying to, you know, do the bet, put my best foot forward and everything. And a couple of months later, I went in and um, the aptitude testing happened on the day. And there was, I think there was five of us. And um, at the end of the day, we're sitting there and this, um, you know, the Air Force officer came in and said, oh, you, you and you. Um, with me and then the other two downstairs. And I, I think I was one that got sent downstairs and I was like, oh, well, I guess this is the end of it. You know, they're gonna take us out and say, hey, shake your hand, say, thanks for coming along, but yeah, no good. And he took us downstairs and said, hey guys, congratulations, you've met the standard. Um, you guys have actually passed. So we're gonna take you on to the next step. And I, I was kind of just standing there like, scratching my head thinking, what, you know, what is going on here? This is, yeah, this is right. But anyway, still not there yet. <laughs> um, so that was, uh, I think this was now about 2013. So, you know, um, still probably only about six months into the application process. And uh, the next step was about six months later, which was an assessment day, um, whereby I had to go and actually have an interview with an Air Force officer. Um, I think I saw a doctor that day for the medical and a psychologist. And at least I'm still thinking, well, I've got no hope here. And, you know, <laughs> but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what have I got to lose? You know, yeah. at, the, at the time, I've got a full-time job as an electrician. I've always got that to back to fall back onto. And if it doesn't work out, well, doesn't work out. Give something else a go. Sure enough, I got through that day. All good. Yep, you've been assessed as good to go. You're competent. Um, you're medically, you passed. Psychologically, yep, you probably just scraped through. But. Um, <laughs> Um, on I went and uh, yeah, I, I got sent up to Tamworth at the time for some flight screening, which is where they basically just put you in an aeroplane for 10 flights and see how you go. Yeah. And I'd never flown before. I'd, uh, it was all new to me. It was a brand new experience. And uh, yeah, I seemed to do all right on that as well. And next thing I got offered a job. So <laughs> it wow. was just like, for me, it just happened. It was a long process. It was drawn out about over two years, but it was just like, one step to the next step to the next step and it was it was just to give it a go what have you got to lose and yeah yeah here I am oh, now so. I love that and I, lo I love that really it, well. I reckon when you're in the flow you know everything every door opens as it should you know you know you, you yeah. don't you don't you're not greeted by closed doors when you're actually in the space you're supposed to be in and I love yeah. it. I, I think your dad's buddy very wise. You know, yeah. <laughs> what have you got to lose? Exactly. What have you got to lose? And there's another little part to that story as well, Karen. So in 2012, I was playing football and um, we had a guy at the football club. Um, his name was Jake Rolls and he was an absolute legend of the footy yeah. club. Great player, but just a better all-round bloke. Now, I think it was back in 2010, he got diagnosed with cancer. Um, he copped a melanoma and um, he... he got it cleared up and you know we all thought he was on the right track and about I can't remember the timeline exactly but about six months later it came back and it, it attacked his body quite hard and um the whole footy club rallied around him and uh we you know there's fundraisers and just watching this guy fight for his life um was so um it was just amazing to watch mm -hmm. and inspiring um 
he him he and his family who are also just a fantastic family they set up a fundraiser saying whatever it takes because they were going to do whatever it takes mm. to get him through his battle with cancer now unfortunately um august 2011 he passed away he lost his battle but he fought to the to the last day an absolute legend now the, that year our reserves team won the grand final and the year after our seniors team we said our motto for this year is whatever it takes we're going to do whatever it yeah. takes and uh, we went ahead that year and we actually won the grand final in 2012, just playing a bit of local footy. But that that motto um, has stuck with me since that day and just remembering him and the, inspi- the inspiring person that he was of whatever it takes, just do whatever it takes to get to where you want to be and uh, just give it a go. So, yeah, that's wow. a little, little bit of a side story from I might have to write those down as a few get-off-the-bench <laughs> mottos. I think they're yeah. fantastic and it's... And and, and the, I guess the other part to that is too with that guy, it's um it it really hits home that life's too short, you know. Absolutely, you know he was early twenties, um, oh. and out of nowhere he was fit, he was healthy, he was at the gym all the time, he loved to have a good time, um, and suddenly he just got struck down with this awful cancer, and um yeah, but to his credit, he just he fought so hard, and uh, that's just something that'll stick with me forever, whatever it takes. Yeah. And I think that when you really want something, it's not things don't just fall in your lap. Like you, you that's that's a very entitled attitude, you know, just to think, oh, you know, it'll fall in my lap. If we really yeah. want something bad enough, we we've we've got to put in the effort. We have to invest, you know, to get something yeah. out of it. So exactly right. Yeah. I remember when uh obviously when my dad said, Oh, just apply for the uh defense force recruiting uh the, the pilot job on the defense force recruiting site. And uh, I'm thinking I need physics, I need all these maths and, you know, um, sciences and all sorts of stuff. And I went on there and I was actually surprised by what I needed to provide to them as mm-hmm. what I'd done eight years ago at the time in high school. And, uh, yeah, it was just if I can tick those boxes, then off we go. So, and I luckily ticked the boxes. <laughs> but there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of training in there, Raf, though, isn't there? In any of the defence forces, like you, you can come in sort of not knowing much, and they they're very intensive with their training, aren't they? Well, Absolutely, that's, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. That that's the idea, you know. They take someone like myself off the street who's got no aviation. Ex- I'm talking pilot role here, but this is a broad, um, mm. you know so many different roles that they would do this for um, but this is obviously what I've got my knowledge in so they would take someone off the street who's never flown before and um, two years later is, a, is the rough timeline you'll come out with a pair of pilot's wings and uh, off you go to an operational squadron and the thing is you're just thrown in the deep end um, so back onto training courses on the various air, aircraft that you'll fly but you'll find yourself uh, traveling around the world off on deployments all sorts of things so it is um, yeah uh, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of hard work. And looking back on it now, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But at the time, it wasn't fun, if you know what I mean, because you are working so hard. If they, if you stop being a roulette, you'll be a great um, a great recruitment advertising guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of, it's a little bit of my job this year as roulette seven, you know. So that's it, you know. It's to get around and talk to people and tell the story and, you know, let them know that, hey, it's achievable. Just give it a go. And it's just funny how many people when they hear that you're a pilot and you say, I'm a pilot in the air force and they think, wow. And yep, that's just a job. Okay. So yes. And we've done the hard work, but um, so many people say to me, Oh, I was going to do that when I finished year 12 or I really wanted to do that, but I never did it. And I say to them, I say, well, why don't you, why don't you do it now? You know, like age is probably most limiting for a lot of people. Um, but defensive, I think they've just increased that to late 30s. You can now apply for pilot. But 
there's just so many people that say, oh, I wanted to do that. I should have done that. And I kind of just think, why didn't you? You know, yeah. there's you, you should have just given it a go. And if you didn't get through or you uh, didn't pass or anything, what have you got to lose? You've, you've probably just got some pretty cool uh, memories. Yeah, bloody. I, I, I went to apply for the Navy when I was younger. Yep. My sister and I, and I, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a driver, and I can't remember what she thought she was going to be. I don't know <laughs> what the hell we were thinking because I, 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 that's right, I know what happened. We went in there and we thought it was three years, and then we found yeah. out it was six years. We both looked at each other and went, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <Forget it. laughs> yeah. Well, I must admit, it is a bit of a turn off to hear, you know, that you committed for such a long period like for myself it's 11 and a half years wow. so I I when I was first signing up and people would say to me oh I can't believe you're going to sign up to a job for 11 and a half years that's crazy but I also kind of thought to myself and I, I was around a lot of tradesmen and people like that with the footy club and all my mates and I was like well yeah but if you're a plumber now what are you going to be doing in 11 and a half years? Yeah. More than likely you're still going to be a plumber yeah. you might have a different job or a different boss but still going to be a plumber and that's the thing with the air force it's like well i'm a pilot and yes i'm here for 11 and a half years i I don't have the freedom to leave and go and move wherever i like but it's it's different jobs in those 11 and a half years you know this is already my uh one two three four fifth location um and kind of third different job i would say so yeah it's it's um it's not 11 and a half years of doing the exact same thing so well and that 11 and a half well if you're lucky and and nothing happens to you and and i don't mean you everybody that that 11 and a half years is going to pass anyway so we might as well be doing something we bloody love in that time exactly you know there's nothing worse like you say i should have i i hear with my training with the stuff that i do too is all the time i hear i I wanted to i wish i had have i should have you know and i just think if you still can do it just yeah that's right yeah and it's not just about the defense force it's not just about being a pilot but if you've got an aspiration to be a firefighter or a policeman or a doctor or a nurse like you've got absolutely zero to lose um and that's the thing you financially it might affect you a little bit but you know fingers crossed everything goes well and you're going to come out and you're going to be a much happier person with a better lifestyle as well you know, I, I really enjoyed being an electrician. It was it was good fun and I worked with some great people. We had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun, but it was just more so, do I want to be doing this in 25 years for me? Um, and there would be days where, you know, it was a Sunday afternoon and I'd be thinking, oh, I've got to get up tomorrow morning at 5.30 and drive to the other side of the city and pull cables all day um, and then finish at 3.30, sit back in traffic and drive back home. And sometimes I would dread work, not ever, not all the time, but on a Sunday, sometimes I'd be like, oh, and you know, a lot of people, it's with a lot of people. And that's, that's the way it is when going to work because we love our freedoms and our weekends. But now I don't, I don't have that feeling anymore. You know, if I've got something on on a Monday, I'm looking forward to it. It's like, oh, well, I get to go out flying tomorrow and I get to go, you know, (laughs) down to the coast and do some aerobatics. It's, it's good fun. So yeah, that that that's changed my perspective on things and and the way that I see a Sunday now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of people have those Sunday blues, but it's so important to do work you love. Do you know? And it might it might not be a job. Like it might just be volunteering, or it might be you know you know having some candle making or whatever it is. Like it's so important yeah. to have that joy in your life. Do you know? Because uh, 
nine to five grind in a job you hate, it, that's going to kill you. And I, I don't yeah. mean to be so bloody blunt about it, but, you know, the stress and the, the unhappiness, it's, it's not a good place to be. It really isn't. No, that's right. And life's too short as well. Like, you, you know, going back to my friend who passed away, you, you just don't know what's around the corner and what's going to happen. So why not make the most of it and just do what you want to do? And yeah. it, it's not saying that things are always going to work out in your favour and it's going to be a, a really smooth process to get to where you want to be, but give it a go. Yeah. Have a change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you were talking in there about you driving through the traffic, so that's another thing too is thank God that this hybrid workplace has started to happen, you know, and some people don't have to keep driving. You, you know, sitting in the traffic's dark and there's a lot of people who are, who absolutely panic flying in an aeroplane, you know, and, and I get it. I get why they do it. It's this bloody little aluminium tube up in the sky or whatever yeah. it is. And we, you know, I get that. And for most people, like the aerodynamics, I don't know how the hell those two engines keep me up there. It's scary. <laughs> but in actual fact, you know, I don't know what this, the research is, but I do know that it's far safer to fly in an aeroplane than it is to drive on the roads. And yeah. do you ever, like, you, you fly and you drive. And when you drive, uh, you live... You know, I know where you live out in the country here and with where I am, and it's like we don't, we don't get much traffic on the roads. It's really not much of a problem. But, you know, you're talking about city traffic. Do you sit in the traffic and think, oh, shit, I wish I was in my plane? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a lot easier because you go straight. There's no roundabouts, no yeah. traffic lights, that type of stuff. But, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, it's it's a completely different world out there. It's, it's you know, three dimensions. Yeah, um, you know, up, down, left, right. You know, there's there could be traffic there but it's just so heavily regulated with you know air yeah. traffic services and stuff like that that that's why it is so safe um that yeah, there's radar people can see where everyone is and stuff like that you don't have hopefully you don't have drunk drivers up there you know <laughs> and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah it's a different workplace that's for sure i did interview the guy that um uh you know parachuted into elizabeth oh crap why am i forgetting it? elizabeth taylor's wedding you, you know, and he, oh, okay. he was a pilot. He talked about drunk pilots, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's no drunk pilots up there. Yeah, hey, look, I'm sure it's happened before. That's for sure. There's no booze buses either. So, yeah. <laughs> be, 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 be cool. so when you're up there, like that, I, I remember going in a submarine once, and and I, I'm scared of underwater. But I went down in this submarine, and it was not a not a navy submarine. It was just one of those touristy submarines. And as I went down, I felt sick. But then once I got underneath, it was incredible. You know, it was a whole other world. And I know when I'm up in a plane, it's and you get above the clouds, it's just this whole other world. But do you do you ever like I know you've got to fly fast, but do you ever look down and and have a bit of a sticky beak at what's going on on the ground? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like if we're not looking out for birds and, um, you know, other aeroplanes, then yeah, definitely. We're looking down at the ground, seeing what's going on, looking at the traffic jams. And, um, you know, if we go for a flight along the coast, um, yeah, we look at people on the beach and try and give them a bit of a wave and stuff like that. But th that's the best thing at the moment is um, flying this aeroplane. It's just the freedom. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, being able to do 
don't get me wrong, it's very regulated in what we do. We do a lot of training and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we get to fly across the country and to these different locations. And, yeah, it's, it's a bit of freedom and, and it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre feeling when you're up there by yourself and you're in this, you know, pretty awesome airplane and it's just you. So, um, you know, we, we still follow all the rules and do all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and very interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I every time, because I only lived like a couple of roads away from where you, you know, from that rough base, and I am, as I said, I'm in love with the roulette. So every time I hear it, I'm, oh, there's my boys, and I, yeah. run, I run outside. So now I'm feeling really fantastic because I get out there waving. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and they can't, my, my partner says, stop getting out there waving. They can't bloody see you. And now I'm going to, tonight I'm going to say, yes, they can. And I bet yeah, Ben's can. waving at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends where you catch me. If I'm uh, if I'm just taking off, maybe not. But uh, yeah, if we're coming in low level and someone's out there waving a red scarf or something, who knows? We might see him for All sure. All right, I'm going to get my red scarf. Well, I'm on <laughs> yeah. a farm. I'm on a farm, so you 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 often do uh, you know circle around over my farm. Yep. So I'm going to get out there with my red jumper and start yeah. wagging. <laughs> I love it. So uh, do you? When you're talking about you know we're very disciplined and we're very. Um, regulated and that kind of stuff what uh, how do you I want to talk about disorientation like because yeah I know it's it's all very well that you you know everything's sort of um when you're flying straight when you're flying not doing loops and everything I can understand yeah that's a good feeling all this upside down business and you know roundabout and then and I watched I watched one of your planes the other day out near the um Kilmany tip and just dive, dive completely down, then come back up again. And I was watching it, and I always have a little bit of a heart attack. It's like, oh my god, I hope they're okay. Do you know? And then they come yeah. back up again. When you're doing all those, um, you know, aerobatics, you know, where it's upside down, around about, and flipping, and I know you do spirals and that kind of stuff. How do you not get disoriented? Uh, we train for it. So one of the things we would do before we actually go into the heavy aerobatics, I guess, the more advanced ones where we are a little bit out of control, not not out of control, yeah, but um, you, yeah, you might be in a spin or something like that, is we'll um, actually train for it. So what will happen is we'll have an instructor in the back seat and they'll basically say, okay, I want you to close your eyes and you close your eyes. And then what they'll do is they'll put the aeroplane at a 90 degree angle, maybe upside down or, you know, completely facing the sky. So you can't see anything but the sky. And uh, we get trained to, at that point, we open our eyes and we look around, wonder where, where we're going, what's happening. And we, we, we go back to our instruments. So inside the airplane, work out exactly what's happening, what's our airspeed doing, where are we in relation to the horizon? And then we just recover from there. So we get the aircraft back to a safe state, I guess, you know, where we're comfortable wow. and we know that we're flying safely. Um, and then from that, once we go into the aerobatics, it's, it's a lot of um, preparation before you go into an aer- aerobatics flight and, and the initial training as well of, visualizing what you think you're going to see so for example um, a loop you know we know that as we pull up for a loop which is just going to be straight up so we're looking we we know that we're going to see uh, the horizon disappear under our nose into blue sky and then as we come back over the top of the loop we're going to be looking straight at the earth basically Mm. and it's just it's just training and visualization and preparing for what we expect to see. And, uh, you know, there's times when you are doing certain aerobatics, for example, stall turns where uh, that's where the aircraft goes up to 90 degrees, nose up, and then we turn over the top before we come back down. Yeah. Um, there are times at that where we do that, where it doesn't always work out as planned and we'll, we'll fall out from the top. And basically you, you kind of, 
enter you going so slow at that point you enter a little bit of a spin um and it's back to that initial training of okay i'm looking at the ground my airspeed's increasing uh, i need to get my nose up towards the horizon but that training is used once we get into those stall turn situations or something similar where it might not work out exactly as planned wow yeah see i, I would be like i don't know how your brain like i think that some people's bodies biologically can't handle that kind of stress do you, you know like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know whether. I don't know. It's 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 a hard one because, like I said, I'd never done any flying going into it, um, you know, into the job. So I didn't really know how I was going to react either um, and what would happen. But I guess uh, maybe, you know, roller coasters and, you know, um, oh. maybe riding motorbikes and, as a kid and stuff like that. I, I didn't mind doing that stuff. So um, when I went on to pilot's course, I didn't get sick or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. You know, we come back after a Christmas break and you go out and you pull four or five G, you're not feeling too flash by the time you get back <laughs> on the ground. Um, and especially if I'm, you know, with the roulettes as well, you know, in the backseat of one of the air flights um, where you're not flying yourself, that's when you start to feel a little bit ordinary because it's not you that's bringing Probably. on the onset of G or the turns. And yeah. uh, it's like, you know, driving a car. If it's not you that's driving, it's um, you, you don't feel as flash, yeah. but um yeah, like I know a guy on pilot's course who went through a similar course to me and I think for his first 20-odd flights, he was throwing up pretty much every single flight. Wow. So, But, yeah, your body just slowly adapts to it and the G as well, your body just adapts to that and, um, yeah, your tolerances build up really well. So wow. That, we, we just kind of get used to it, I guess, yeah. But, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, we meet people at shows and they say, oh, I could never do that. I, I could. I just can't get in an aeroplane or I don't like being upside down or not or knowing where I'm going or I'm claustrophobic. And, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's just the training and it's just, I guess, we have to. We have to do it. If we, if we don't do it, well, then we can't do our job. Yeah, that's right. I, I, was, <laughs> I was working with an aviation company just doing some training and stuff and I, I, they took me into the back of one of the planes I was working on and there's, I can't think what the guys are called, avionics. I think an avionics engineer. Av, yeah, techs maybe or avionics technicians. Yeah, or yeah, I engineers. think that's what. Yeah. And they, and what they do is they, no, they they do all the electronic electronic gear. But they showed me where a guy sits in the back, and they plot out all the, they plot out everything, and they put it all into a yep. computer, and then the the pilot just um just flies because they don't have to. It, it's just all automated, you know, it just all does yeah. it. When you do all your formation stuff, is is there any automation in that or is it complete hands-on? Yeah, complete hands-on. So uh, when we do a formation flight, all we are doing is constantly moving our power, so adjusting our power for our um, basically in three planes of where we sit to the aircraft next to us. So how far forward, how far high, like um, high in comparison, and then how close. So our power moves us back and forth. And then we've got our control stick, which is moving us up and down and left and right moves us closer to that aeroplane. So we, yeah, no automation at all. And it's all just, you basically aren't looking out the front of your aeroplane. You're just staring at the aeroplane next to you. And mate, we've got some certain cues that we line up and once we can see those cues, we know that we're in the right position. And the goal is from there, just maintain that position just through your hands and feet, basically. God, because um, you're so close. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're three, four metres apart. So mm -hmm. as soon as that aircraft starts to turn, if they start to turn towards you, obviously you've got to be onto it straight away. And you just want to maintain that picture. So that just means that you need to adjust your aircraft to main that, maintain that picture. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, if we're doing a transit somewhere, um, 
will spread out. You know, it's not always three or four yeah. metres apart. We'll certainly spread out because that gives us more brain space, allows us to yeah. look inside the cockpit more. Um, and at that point, yeah, you can put your autopilot on and, you know, sit there and relax a little bit. But, yeah, um, yeah once, you, once you're once you in close and tight formation, yeah, no, no automation. Wow. Cool. I, I just find it absolutely... I find it absolutely amazing when you when you're talking about sitting there right next to somebody, um, and you know they just turn. Is there somebody? Is there does does rule at one say turn everybody thirty five degrees? Like, do, are they giving instructions that you are all following or? Yeah. So so when the roulette guys, so when roulette's one to six are doing their displays. Um, I actually carry a little radio with me and you can listen to rule at one um, squadron leader, Mark Kuritz, and he, he calls everything that's coming up. So you know, if they're about to pull up into a, a loop, he'll say uh, for loop pulling up. And at that point, you know, the whole team knows, okay, he's pulling up. So I'm, I'm about to pull up, but th- these guys have done that much training that they know the sequence, like the back of their hand. Yeah, yeah. So they know exactly, okay, we're about to do a loop. It's just his, um, verbalization at that point all right now is when i'm going to do the loop so no one's left behind sort yeah, of thing yeah and if, if he feels that he is uh needs to increase his turn you know he'll say tightening um or if he decreases his turn he'll say easing and he calls all the um changes of formation so yeah he's constantly on the radios just giving the other five roulette guys just that awareness of exactly what's going to happen um mm. and when Oh God! What about trust? You know, you know, we talk about like I do a lot of team building, and I talk about trust, and we we do trust stuff, and it's certainly not catching each other, you know, that kind of shit because nobody wants to do that. That puts everyone off. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, you go. This is a whole different level of trust. You know, like you, yeah. when you when you're in a team like you are, your lives are. At your lives are at risk every second and it's not just every minute it's every second because one one foul swoop you know and the whole team's taken out how do you how do you train for trust like you don't have to give me all the um secret raft secrets but like do you, do you do a lot of um trust work uh sorry my life's just gone off yeah you've just turned into a silhouette <laughs> It's kind of talking about trust and then you've you've just turned into this. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Uh, Trust. So I guess the trust comes from the training that we do from day one. So I I kind of, I remember going through pilot's course and, you know, I had my ups and downs on pilot's course. I failed a couple of flights here and there. And someone made a really good point to me whilst on pilot's course. They said, when people, you know, because sometimes, if you if you fail a flight for example you might not necessarily agree that you should have failed that flight but what they're doing throughout pilots course is deciding if i'm in a horrible situation one day and i'm flying side by side with this person in the cockpit will i be able to trust them to back me up and help me get out of that situation so it's kind of something that starts at day one and we know that you know once you've met that standard of graduating pilots course that you have shown and demonstrated that you're a competent pilot. The stuff that comes with the roulettes is at completely next level. So they go out and they, they'll do six weeks of basically flying twice a day. But all of these guys have got so much experience in the aeroplane as well that they are extremely competent already. Now they just need to work as a team in a six ship formation. And the thing is they can't all go and 
uh, assess each other and sit in each other's cockpit and say, oh, do I trust this guy? Do I not trust this guy? Um, because you just can't do that. There's only two seats in the airplane. But it's just that process of from day one, pilot's course, they've graduated pilot's course, they've been out on the line in operational squadrons flying different airplanes. Like They've got the awareness, they've got the skill, they've got the aptitude required. And then they come onto this airplane and there's a whole heap of workup. So they, they have to tick so many boxes along the way before they actually get to this stage of becoming a roulette pilot that it's like, yeah, we, we know that we, we have to trust this person. And um, as well as that, there's a lot of briefing. So briefing and debriefing, and it's honest. So there's, there's no um, fluffing or anything like that. In the debrief, they talk about exactly, uh, sorry, in the pre-brief, they talk about exactly what they're going to do, the procedures they're going to fly and what it should look like, what everyone should see. When they come back from a flight, they sit down and as six at the moment, yeah, good mates, they, they will talk through the, all their sequences and they're honest with each other. And if they say, I think you did this a little bit skew if today or you're a little bit tight or you came in too hot on your rejoin, they bring that up because that will mean that in the next flight, hopefully that pilot is thinking, yeah, okay, I'm going to take this one a little bit easier. But yeah, it's just it's just honesty and um, just good feedback to one another following mm. that flight. Wow. And so you're you're talking about six of them and you're number seven. So what what is the do you like I know that you do enroll in roulette number seven, you go everywhere with them, like you go to all the shows, yeah. you're you're all that sort of stuff, but you also do like promotional work and you're sort of like the spokesperson for the team. Do you if if someone's sick, do you then take take a spot or do you or if one leaves, do you then progress in? Does it sort of is it sort of a uh, Accession look, I, thing honestly, like I, I wish it was like that because I would love to be out there with the team. But no, for me, this is a bit of a developmental posting. So um, I, I'll probably do this job for about two years with the idea of going on to instructor's course following this. Yeah. So all of the guys that are currently in the team, they've already done this. Uh, they didn't do rule at seven, but they've done the instructor's course then they've gone out and been an instructor on the PC-21, which is the aircraft that the roulettes fly. And then after that, then they can look at um, getting into the actual roulette team. So they've got thousands of hours experience on this aeroplane. I've only just started flying it this year with the idea of tra traveling around with the team. I get to do some awesome flying. I get to travel around the country, but I also get my experience up on the PC-21. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I do a whole heap of uh behind the scenes stuff as well. So I'm, I'm there organizing, speaking with air show organizers, um, making sure that the accommodations booked, the cars are good to go so that when we get there to a location, things are easy. That's the plan. Mm. Um, do this for a couple of years and then step into instructing, get my experience up. And then, you know, one day, yeah, potentially um, I'll be able to step into the roulettes. But when you talk about, you know, if someone goes sick or um, someone leaves, Unfortunately not, because that would require me to know six different positions, yeah, yeah. which obviously would be impossible. So the it's, um, you know, they talk about sport spare roulette um, personnel and stuff like that, but uh, you would need an, an entire new team because if roulette four goes sick, he flies very specific positions and at certain points he'll turn left, whereas roulette three might turn right. So if you're crossing people over and their muscle memory or they're, you know, yeah. not thinking for a second, they, they potentially go the wrong way. Yeah. And it, it just brings up a whole heap of um, unnecessary risk, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So what about distraction? You're talking about, you know, they're not thinking straight. Like you you said, oh, we're all just normal guys. We all just live a normal life. Uh, we like to go out and have a beer, that kind of stuff. 
Now, there's a great saying, you know, in most businesses, leave your baggage at the door, you know, don't bring all your shit to work. Um, <laughs> how, you know, if you, you're normal people with normal things going on and people get sick and you, you're stressed about your kids and, you know, your parents and, you, you know, that sort of stuff, how, how do you, how does, is that part of your training as well that you just, you just got to leave that stuff at the door because it's too dangerous to bring into an aeroplane? Uh, yeah, but you know, if you've if you've had a horrible night's sleep, if you've got stuff, personal circumstances going on at home, if your wife's not well, your mum's not well, um, and you come into work, no one is going to at all. No one would doubt you, question you, or say you need to go and do this. Um, yeah. At the moment, you know, we're in a training environment, and it's it's pretty good at the moment. It's it's more so about the people um, and making sure they're right and making sure. You know, one of the checks they always tell us to do before we go flying is basically ask yourself, are you okay? Are you fit? Are you healthy? Did you get a good night's sleep? Have you eaten? Have you, have you drank enough water today? Because if if you're not safe to fly, what's the point? You know, all you're doing is potentially putting other people's lives at risk. So yeah. we, yeah, there are times when you need to, you know, really leave some issues that are going on at mm. home because you can't, like, let's be honest, people have got issues going on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you do, you go out there and at, for those two hours, you're completely focused on your job and you're flying and yeah, you, you kind of just forget about it, but don't get me wrong. You come back and that's, that's the first thing that you need to go and deal with, but it's good at the moment, you know, like um, everyone in the team's got young kids. So everyone's going through the same processes. Everyone understands it. And we, we've got a bit of an understanding between each other of, you know, uh, late nights, early finishes and days off and yeah. time with family. So we try and make that um, a priority um, so that, you know, we, we've got our a really really good work-life balance yeah oh that's yeah that's good I think it's that takes a skill to leave to leave your shit you know I, I sang for many years had my thyroid out can't sing anymore but on stage I, I was I had that skill you know where I could doesn't matter what was going on in your life you know you, you'd step onto that stage and you would completely yeah. shut everything off and and I, I think that I, I agree with you I think that is a real muscle building skill that you've that you'd develop i know some people just yeah. can't do it but i think i think yeah. they love the attention but you know it's kind of like you have to if you if you're some some jobs you yeah, have it, to it, it's resilience um and yeah. that's something that's drummed into us very early from you know military training yeah. is resilience you know things aren't always going to go your way and you're not going to have a great night's sleep and you might not um yeah you might be having an argument at home or you know someone might not be doing the best around you but you you constantly need to stand up and uh, you need to be there. And yeah. look, at the end of the day, if it's unsafe, it's if it's an unsafe situation, we don't need to push ahead with that. But you you do need to push through hard times, and yeah. that's something that you know. Even through pilots' course, you know, we we go through, and uh, it was kind of um, it would happen naturally because each day would be the next flight, the next sequence, yeah. and you may have had a horrible flight the day before, but they're not going to say to you, oh, well, you've had a, a stinker of a flight yesterday we'll give you the next few days off to recoup you know yeah. it's it's straight back into it because they need to them they well a they need to get people through the course but b they need to demonstrate as well that they do have that resilience and they can yeah people make mistakes and they stuff up and whatnot but the next day they can go back out and do it all again and hopefully improve so well it's the only way you build your yeah. confidence and your competence isn't it just practice That's practice right. practice practice and yeah 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 it's... and the best thing you can do is just give it a go like you know what we spoke about before you just got to go out and um yeah do the put, put your best foot forward and there's not much else you can really do yeah that preparation yeah. so yeah mm. and what about um female 
uh, roulettes? Have 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 we had any? Are there like is why why is there so few and and have we had any? So that's a really good question. Um, yes. So the previous roulette seven was um, Amy. Uh, she's fantastic. She did a really good job um, with PC21, everything like that. So she was about to step onto uh, instructor's course, uh, which would, she was a very similar path to me. So she would go instructor's course, instructor, and then potentially that opens up the door for roulette later in the future. Yeah. But she's pregnant. So congratulations, Amy. She's got a little bub on the way. Um, so she's not flying at the moment. Previously, yes, we've had a, a female roulette, but at the moment, no, there, there is no, it's it's a male um, dominated environment, to be honest, yeah. but defence are doing everything they can and we want as many females as we can get through the doors to even it up um, yeah. because there is some fantastic female pilots out there. Yeah. Um, my little take on this is I, I think that um, defence are doing all the right things in bringing the females through. I just don't think that there is um, as many females out there that want to be pilots yeah. and we can't force people to be pilots. No. So, but hopefully those, those girls that are out there that are thinking, Oh, I wonder if I can do that or um, no, I probably can't. Hopefully they, they, with the, you know, everything that's happening with defense at the moment, encouraging that, hopefully they can come through the door because yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to have a couple of, you know, roulette females and hopefully one day a roulette leader that's a female that'd be even cooler so yeah. we've got some really cool um and great girls downstairs at the moment who are instructors um so they've been through their operational tours and they've come through here on instructor course and now they're instructing so depending on whether they want to go back to um their life flying for example uh, kc30s which is the airbuses fast jets um, c17s or they want to stay down here in sail and potentially step into the roulettes. That's that's an unknown at the moment. But there are some, some definitely some really good girls down in the pipeline that yeah. maybe fingers crossed they'll um yeah get up here and jump in the team. No, I think that's great. And I'm not I'm not for affirmative action in pilots because I'm for whoever's got the bloody skill because I don't think it's good to just be putting people women in planes just because we're trying to fill numbers. But I do hope yeah. I do hope that um you know more women sort of back themselves, to, you know, and say, uh, oh, yeah, I could, I could do that. So Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, it's it's back to everything we've kind of spoken about, it's just giving it a go. Um, and it's really good to see like um because we've got all the basic flight training students um they're all downstairs and i would say the numbers now it's probably you know i'd say 30 to 40 percent female wow. so it's good it's good to see them all coming through and I, I think they're all doing pretty well and moving on to number two flights training school over in western australia so Fantastic. yeah um and like i've um flown with females when, on my previous aircraft um on the kc30 and brilliant you know competent um fantastic um lovely people you know and it's it's good to see but we we need to get more more and more in the doors yeah and there's a lot in the commercial um flying whatever you call yeah. it, commercial aviation there's a stack of yep. stack of them in there and i see a mother yeah, and right. mother and daughter duo flying um i think yeah i think it's jetstar i can't remember but that that's fantastic <laughs> you know that that's yeah so i i remember when i met you at the um air show i've got my hat and i Oh, I won't nice. leave yeah, it on for too long fun. because I've got another interview soon. I'll have messy hair, but I've got me. So I, I think this makes me, and I, I came back to my partner and said, what the, she said, what the hell have you got on? And I said, I, I've, I'm now a roulette. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. And so I, I guess I have a question for you, Ben. Is it, yeah. I'm, I'm only a couple of roads away. Is it possible that I could become roulette number eight? Is that 
you may need to find a, a pair of aviators. Oh. Um, and then I reckon if you roll down to the front gate, they'll let you in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> we're, we're in. I was in the front gate a, few, a year last year, but <laughs> I'll have to get another pass. But I, I, absolutely, yeah. I absolutely love this hat and it's, you know, it's it's, it's such a beautiful hat. But I, I loved meeting you guys. And, I, Ben, I've absolutely loved this conversation and, and I just love your you know you're down to earthness and you, you just you've said there's so many so many amazing gems in there you know like life's too short you know what do you got to lose you know I, and I can't remember what your other friend said I'll when I play it back I'll remember but the one that was yeah. um you know oh whatever it takes yeah whatever it takes do you, you know and it's yeah. um I think what what an amazing um what some ins- really inspirational little nuggets there for people to to follow their dreams and I I really want them to. I'm not. I'm not proposing everyone try to be a roulette like me, but um, I am. <laughs> I am suggesting people follow their hearts and follow their dreams because, like you said, that 11 years. Um, you know, it's going to pass anyway if you're lucky. You know, yeah. Pray to God, but it's um, you might as well be doing, you know, what what you truly love. But exactly, yeah. Go to work every. If you've got to go to work every day, you might as well do something you enjoy. So. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, yep. well, thank you so much, Ben. I've absolutely loved this, and I hope you've hope you've enjoyed it. And it's um, yeah, it's been great. I tried not to delve into the RAF secrets and everything. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> yeah oh, my top secret clearance has probably expired by now. So, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it. But thank you so much for joining us. And actually, where can people look up more about the uh, roulettes? Yeah, so have a look at airforce.gov.au forward slash roulettes, uh, defensejobs.gov gov.au if you're interested at all in the ADF and careers or you know specifically if you want to be a pilot once again just give it a go put your name there, out there and see what happens um, we've got Facebook and Instagram so if you're interested in the rule that's yeah have a look and uh, if you ever do see us out at air shows please come and say g'day because as you said you know we're seven down-to-earth people that love to have a chat with people in the community and say g'day and that's our role you know our role is to bring the military to the to the public eye yeah. and um, say g'day so that we'll, we'll always make the time and effort and um, yeah just have a chat people have got questions or just want to come say g'day it's all good fantastic well please do guys because i did and this is the result and uh, not that everyone can just bloody ambush them for podcast interviews but um <laughs> like i did but they are really really lovely guys so ben thank you so very much for sharing your time with us it's just been an absolute honor no worries karen thanks very much for having me oh my absolute pleasure all right i'll see you around i'll wave next time yeah make sure you do i will okay <laughs> thanks see you bye <laughs> Oh, guys, how was that? I loved that. And I tell you, I I love the roulettes. And what a fantastic conversation that was and how many amazing little nuggets he dropped in there about, you know, life's too short, what do you got to lose, you know, give it all you got, all that kind of stuff. Well, honestly, like I don't want to get people just dropping everything recklessly and and throwing away everything they're working for and, you know, putting themselves into financial hardship and what have you. But, gee, I do want to encourage, just as Ben was saying, if you've got a dream, even just look into it, Even, even if that's all you do, look into it and see if you could do it. And sometimes, yes, I get for some jobs you could be too old, but, you know, often we're not. Like most of us don't want to be pilots. But if you do, if you do, maybe go and check out the the um, RAF recruitment. But 
that was great. If you want to check out Ben and the Rural Lads and uh, look them up, it's, as he said, it's um, their website is airforce.gov.au forward slash rulettes, or it could be forward slash displays forward slash rulettes, but whatever it is, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Please follow them on uh, Facebook and Instagram as Air Force Roulettes. And I really hope you got a lot out of that. And my God, I, I'm so, so wrapped. And I love the fact that he looks down and he's going to wave to me. So I'm, I'm off. So, guys, I have to go because I've got to go and buy myself a red flag so that I can stand out there and wave to the roulettes as they go over. But anyway, really hope you loved it. And thank you so very much for joining me again. It's absolutely amazing that you keep listening. and <laughs> It's wonderful. So I really appreciate it and have a fantastic week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode, just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.